Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Career Crashers. We are very excited today to be joined by Harmon Dial, uh, a staff writer at The Athletic and a contributor uh, on, t- on the television side with Sportsnet, where he covers the NHL and the Vancouver Canucks in specific. Harmon, thanks for taking the time to talk today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to kind of hear the background of your story. I'm a fan of the Canucks, so following The Athletic, being a member there, um, kind of got to see your appearance and then mention in lots of athletes and then see you kind of writing your your own articles, coming on as a staff writer. And I've really enjoyed your work. Um, you do a really awesome job of getting into like the fine details without like losing, you know, the bigger picture of things. But for you kind of to start with, how did you get interested in hockey? And then how did you get interested in the analytical side of like um, understanding hockey? Yeah, so I think for me, I was just a Canucks fan growing up. I think that was just my initial draw into hockey, especially because um, my dad was kind of the same way. So growing up, just would always watch the games and um, played a lot of ball hockey, learned how to skate, uh, all that. Didn't actually enroll into ice hockey because I was never a morning person and couldn't do like the 5, 6 a.m. practices, but um, was just um, a hockey nut through and through. And I think it was... Um, at some point when I realized that, hey, this is kind of my passion and, um, you know, I had a class in school called Independent Directed Studies where we were supposed to take kind of like a topic we were passionate about and try and turn it into a year-long project. So I tried to think about um, how I could kind of, you know, turn hockey and, and, and make some kind of a product out of it. Uh, and so as a result, I, I figured I should start blogging. And from there, I tried to figure out, okay, like, where can I establish some kind of niche, differentiate myself? Um, and that's where I turned to kind of, you know, I always had this inclination when watching the games, wanting to break things down um, with more detail, whether it was individual players or tactics or, or just the overall team performance. Um, and that's where I started reading about analytics and how you could take like my quintessential example is always a guy like Chris Tanev, right? If you watch him play, he was so good at being able to close gaps in the neutral zone. Just one of the best shutdown defensemen that I had seen in, in watching games. Uh, but it felt like, you know, he was the kind of player, he wouldn't really put up a lot of points. So in terms of his reputation league wide, it was a case of, okay, I don't think people appreciate how good he is. How am I able to actually quantify and prove his effectiveness as a player? Um, again, because he doesn't put up a lot of points, but he's such a good shutdown defenseman. Is there anything out there in terms of defensive stats that can help me illustrate this and, and make this point? And so that's how I kind of kind of got into the rabbit hole. Um, and I was like, okay, you can look at how uh, certain players suppress shots and scoring chances against. And that was just kind of um, a light bulb moment where it's like, wow, there are a lot of ways to complement, you know, you're obviously watching the game and then there are ways to kind of objectively filter out the noise and, and look at stats uh, as well to complement your analysis. And that's kind of the path that I started to go down, especially because 
at the time that I was coming up, there was still kind of a void for um, analytics and, and just overall uh, voices that could break down numbers really well in addition to the eye test. So that's kind of uh, the route uh, that I decided to try and take. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool to see that like going from like, hey, this is something I'm interested in to like, hey, how can I contribute? And not only that, how can I do it in a way that's unique that makes, you know, it's it's kind of my niche. It's the thing I do. So that's a really awesome insight. And then I, I was looking to just doing my research, looking back, checking out your LinkedIn profile. I noticed you started contributing to the Daily Hive in 2013 which how old would you have been in 2013? Uh, 13. <laughs> 13. So being like a contributor at 13 years old is pretty out of the ordinary. How did that kind of first opportunity to get your work published on a publication come about? Yeah, so I, I it was actually right around um, that time when I'd kind of started a Twitter uh, account and I would just tweet observational kind of notes about what I was kind of seeing and um, I think um, just around that time Daily Hive here in Vancouver was just starting to kind of um, expand its coverage and was looking into um, covering covering the Canucks and so at that point I think they were just uh, just working out the onboarding process for one of their full-time um, staff writers Rob Williams who's still with the, with them today um, and in addition to that they were kind of looking for a couple once in a while kind of contributors um, nothing too crazy like an article every two or three months kind of thing and um, that's where I, I think someone who um, I, I think it was actually my old soccer coach at the time who was friends with um, someone at Daily Hive. And so my soccer coach, um, and I didn't even know he had done this. Um, he had seen a bunch of my tweets um, and figured that, hey, this is someone who might be a good writer. Um, and so he kind of reached out to his friend at Daily Hive. And so then Daily Hive reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to... Uh, contribute once in a while and it was completely unpaid which was fine i mean I, I was just more than happy to have a platform and a lot of my early work wasn't um there was definitely some bumps along the way in terms of um you can imagine that as a 13 year old my product wasn't fully refined um and i was still kind of figuring out my way but uh, just being able to get those early reps um i was really fortunate for it and um and again, it was kind of just a weird coincidence where um, Daily Hive needed some help. And again, my soccer coach, unbeknownst to me, um, knew someone there and uh, passed my name along. So I um, was kind of fortunate to land in that position. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I think I can definitely obviously relate. I think if 13-year-old me had a platform and was publishing my thoughts online, um, probably wouldn't have worked out very well for me. I'd probably be in like prison or something. Um, so <laughs> thankfully, that didn't happen. But when did you get your first paying opportunity um, to write? Yeah, so that would have been the year that... Um, um, so basically, in, in my grade 12 year was kind of when I really started to take it seriously. Um, and again, that's when I had that independent directed studies class. Uh, and so it was like, okay, I'm going to focus on this uh, more seriously rather than just as, um, hey, I do this once in a while in my spare time kind of thing. Uh, and so that's when I, so I first started um, 
kind of working my way up the the blogosphere at places where I could actually get a consistent opportunity to write every week. Um, and then eventually, after about four to five months of blogging, I wound up at Canucks Army. And so that was kind of my first paid work. Um, definitely wasn't a lot, but just in terms of a stepping stone and in, in the kind of platform Canucks Army is with uh, the kind of alumni that they've graduated, it, um, like that was, that to me was a moment where I could tell that if I stick with this, I can potentially go somewhere. Uh, and so that was, again, my, my big grade through senior year of high school. So that's, um, that's, that, that was my first opportunity where I got paid. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And so grade 12, that's kind of the moment where, I mean, it's a big like fork in the road where most people are like, what do I want to do with my life? Your parents are trying to ask you the same question, maybe trying to influence you a certain direction. You're kind of in a unique position of having kind of built up some, you know, career at that point what was kind of going through your mind when you were were you thinking like hey i need to go to college were your parents supportive of you trying to pursue the career in sports journalism what was kind of like that moment like for you yeah so i think when it came down to making decisions for um you know going to university and things of that nature i in terms of my hockey writing career it hadn't again like to that point, I was still pretty fresh in terms of paid opportunities. And um, I think by the time, you know, uh, obviously summer hit um, and I did eventually graduate, I was still like I had just been starting at Canucks Army. And so it wasn't really something where like in my mind, I thought I could potentially do this down the line, but it didn't it didn't um like i didn't expect it to be something that would kind of happen overnight and so i went to university i went to um trinity western um and enrolled in a nursing program so that was kind of my thought process going into that was it's four-year program and you know once i graduate i have this degree in my back pocket that's gonna be able to get me a job whenever i need one and so my thought process was okay i'll, I'll go to school graduate and then at 21 22 um, I'll go all in on trying to make it work in um, in hockey. And my my thought process was always, even while I'm in school, I'm going to continue to have the hockey, continue working on it on the side, and then kind of again when I graduate and and have that safety net, just divert my attention to it full time. Um, but then, you know, in, in in year one, I you know had um, I was fortunate again where with the athletic, I was able to freelance there, and then. Um, Jason Botchford ended up men- mentoring me and he was so huge for my development. And then things kind of moved a lot faster than I thought it would. And so by the end of my first year, I had the opportunity to, where I could uh, leave school and, um, and, and get that full time, uh, gig at the athletic. And that's where, um, I just thought to myself, like, this is a once in, in a lifetime opportunity. I just couldn't really afford to pass it up. And so I decided to take the plunge and um, here I am today. Nice. Yeah. And was that, did it still feel kind of difficult or did that feel like when you got that offer, you're like, no, bye-bye school. Like I'm done with this. It was definitely difficult to some degree because sports media is always one of those industries where, um, you know, in terms of job security, there really isn't uh, much. And so, um, especially leaving school, the idea of that, um, yeah, I mean, I had kind of always grown up with the idea, like I could never have fathomed the idea of just, Hey, I'm not going to go to college or university, right. On a personal level. 
Um, and so it was definitely kind of something I didn't expect to do. Uh, but my parents were really supportive about it. And, and um, it just became one of those things where um, I kind of just knew that this was it. Uh, again, just because of how rare opportunities are. Um, you know, obviously, the I had to put thought into the decision, but it wasn't too difficult um, once I kind of weighed the risk to reward, I guess you could call it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's always, you know, the types of thing where, like you're getting so much value out of those experiences as well that can help you out with so many other things in the future. So that definitely makes sense. And then for you, it's kind of an interesting, you know, place to be in career wise, because on one hand, like it's this emerging field of hockey analytics where you kind of have to stay on top of like what's happening. How do people, you know, how are people coming up with new metrics, all that type of thing. And you're also, you know, a writer, you're trying to make things engaging, develop that skill set. How do you kind of balance that? Like, okay, I'm working, writing, creating content with also the need in your position to be kind of constantly learning about what else is happening and um, kind of new stuff that's going on with analytics. Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's one of the things that I've kind of wrestled with personally as well is, um, because as you mentioned, there is like when I obviously came up, my niche was definitely as an, an analytics writer, but it takes a lot more to be a full-time, uh, reporter. And that's where I think the analytics and just overall numbers and video breakdown, uh, breakdown side of things came kind of, I don't want to call it second nature, but it was something that I was very comfortable with. Whereas I think some of the other other elements like doing interviews and writing deeper features and actually like telling real stories, um, reporting, it was kind of those avenues where I didn't have any have any or, or limited experience at least, uh, and so that's where I kind of diverted at least to this point. I've I've put a lot of my attention into rounding out my skill set because I know that's um that's really important. Um, and it is kind of, it's definitely a balance though, because I think, you know, in this season, for instance, it's been, it's been such a condensed year. Uh, it feels like the team's playing every other night. And so as a result, um, you kind of end up, you know, during the season, there wasn't a lot of free time. Right. And so I felt like while I was really proud of some of the stories I told, like the, um, like I did a preseason um, story where I, where I basically told the best Nate Schmidt stories. Um, and then I had one ahead of the trade deadline where um, I talked to NHL players about what it's actually like to get traded behind the scenes. Like I was really proud of those kind of, kind of stories. But at the same time, um, now going to the off season, one goal that I have is now I want to get back into, uh, like it feels like I've spent a lot of my time now on the storytelling side of it and it's going to continue to be uh, points of emphasis. But I want to kind of, like now is the off season, like now is the kind of the time to like nerd out and do some of the more analytics based projects. And, and that's where I have the time, the freedom to do that because there aren't games being played all the time. Uh, and so I think it's kind of a balancing act where I try and kind of put, um, put my emphasis and focus on certain areas, depending on what time of year it is. Um, and just where I feel like my content has kind of been tilting. Uh, and so that's kind of how I try and approach it. And I think at least from an analytics perspective, uh, a lot of it, just being able to keep up just comes from reading. And that's what I try and do consistently is try and read. 
um, a lot of other writers and how they're breaking the game down because that's initially how I kind of you know gained my initial knowledge was just being able to see how others read and interpret things and then see um, and then after you kind of have your core of like hey I follow five to ten analy- analytics writers or whatever it's um, you're able to see okay what do I personally personally like what do I personally agree with and that's where you're able to develop your own style. Um, and so, so much of just being able to stay on top of things comes from reading, which doesn't take too much more effort from, aside from obviously just doing my regular job. So, um, I try and read as much as possible and then trying to just develop and round out my skills in other areas. Yeah. And then kind of looking towards the future a bit, do you see yourself wanting to kind of spend the next 10 years working in sports media or do you kind of think, Hey, working as an analyst for a team is something you're interested in? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for me, number one, the the priority has always been working in hockey period, whether that's uh, on the sports media side of things or for a team potentially as well. Um, Right now, I think just the way way I I feel like I've kind of gone down in my career path, uh, I, I think I prefer to stay in the sports media side of things. And the reason I say that is because I feel like when you're trying to kind of gain an inside track and work for an NHL team, the body of work necessary to get hired and really make a name for yourself is a lot different than what I'm doing right now. Um, And what I mean by that is I feel like when I was just a freelancer two years ago, um, only writing, say, three articles a month, I could spend three, four days, five days even sometimes on a single project and go just go so deep, track my own stats, um, really get into the nitty gritty. Uh, and so it was that level of detail and quality that I think, you know, if, if, if I'd been eyeing working on the team side, like that would have been the differentiating factor. Whereas I feel like now, because I am writing, you know, whether, you know, 12 to 15 articles a month, most of the times I don't have more than a day to really sink my teeth into a specific topic, unless it's a really big story. So for that reason, I almost feel like um, my capacity to do, like, I just haven't had the time to do the kind of projects that would help me get hired on the team side. So it's one of those things where, you know, if I did want to do that, I'd almost have to take a step away from doing sports media regularly. Um, and I'm already enjoying sports media right now. And, and I've come to really enjoy the interviewing process, um, actually telling stories and getting to know people in the game. So um, I think that would be my number one priority right now. But um, I mean, life's li- life's full of crazy twists and turns. And I certainly wouldn't be, uh, um, I'm not one to close close any doors off prematurely. So uh, that's kind of how I view it. For sure. For sure. Yeah. The the world's your oyster at this point. Um, and so just kind of as we turn back and start wrapping things up for people who are out there who are, you know, whether it's 13 year old, the next Harmon or someone who's like 25, if you're interested in, I mean, it could even be outside of sports, but what do you think the, the advice you'd give people who are in that position where like, Hey, this is something I'm really interested in. I'm really passionate about. I'd love to kind of go deeper and try to find a way to work in this field that I love, what would be the advice you'd give to people like that? Yeah, I think number one is, and I think I've, I've been able to see it with, um, with a few people that that have kind of come up in the industry is 
to try and find some niche and some way to differentiate yourself because when you think of something like sports media, there are so many uh, people that want to work in the industry or um, in a lot of, uh, I mean, even just the entertainment industry as a whole, if you're thinking about becoming, say, a YouTuber, right? Uh, a lot of people want to become full-time YouTubers. So it's figuring out um, how to really become the master of a niche that there's an audience for. Um, and I think that's kind of the way to look at it. It's a lot easier said than done because identifying it and figuring out if it's your passion, number one, and number two, is there actually an audience for it? Um, is, um, you know, it, it can be difficult, but again, in my case, um, you know, my niche was just deeper analysis, right? It was being able to crunch numbers, crunch video. Um, and there was certainly an audience for it. And that, it was something I felt passionate about. And the, the thing too, is when it's something you're passionate about, you're like, you have, it's a lot easier to continue grinding, um, when it may feel like the, the next break, uh, might not necessarily be right around the corner. And and that's important because it is going to take perseverance to get to where you want to be. I, I feel like I was really lucky in terms of just the way the cards fell and, and, and the timing of, of various things. Um, because otherwise, I think, you know, my story definitely isn't um, typical of other people that made it in sports media. And I think a lot of my peers, it took them years and years of grinding and, you know, things kind of look bleak at certain points, but eventually they were just able to break through because they, again, had that niche, had that relentlessness and, and kind of just kept powering on. So I, I think that's, it's important to keep in mind that it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and again, just being able to find a niche that you're passionate about. And that number two, there's uh, there's an audience for, I think it's just the biggest piece of advice that I could give people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, just listening to your story that going from like someone who just loves something to someone who's a creator about that thing you love. So, you know, getting on Twitter, tweeting your insights, um, you know, not just trolling people, but like actually sharing stuff about things you're thinking and yeah. things you're watching, starting to write. And like you did so much work prior to getting paid, right? Like no one's going to show up, yeah. pick you off the couch and be like, oh, hey, you're obsessed with this? Like, I want to give you a job. But if you're writing on Twitter, you're writing blogs for years and years and years, that's when those opportunities can start to pop up. Exactly. And we're in a really fortunate um, era where um, because of social media, because of how everything is online, you can make a name for yourself just on your own, um, starting from scratch, where I mean, if you want to start a podcast, you can just grab a mic and, you know, grab a laptop and you can start producing yourself, right? Um, if you want to write a blog, you can start your own and just immediately start um, getting your feet wet there and then just building up uh, your brand on various social media platforms and, and that you can kind of get the ball rolling that way. And again, none of that success will happen overnight, but just the fact that you're able to get going and get through that process you know, like the barrier to entry is so low if you want to give it a crack that um, it's something that you can put as little or as much work into as you'd like. Um, and so for that reason, it's um, it's one of those things where especially because especially if it is something that you genuinely love doing, um, you're going to be that much more motivated and disciplined about sticking to it as a creator. And that's ultimately, again, what it's going to take, because I've seen a lot of people who've had aspirations, but kind of burn out and 
you know, it's, um, you know, they get to a point where they're just like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. And it's important to be mindful of the burnout and, and kind of approach it with the right mindset so that um, you can stick to it uh, for as long as, for as long as it's necessary to kind of break through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's awesome advice. Um, all right. So we can, we can wrap it up there, Haman. Uh, for anyone who wants to follow your work and follow you on social media, um, where should they go to check you out? Yeah. So if you're a uh, reader of The Athletic, you can obviously find me there. Uh, otherwise, uh, on Twitter, um, HarmanDial2 at H-A-R-M-A-N-D-A-Y-A-L-2. Uh, you can find me there. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks. Like what you hear? Go to crash.co and join the career revolution. If you want to share your own career crash story, send it directly to me at isaac at crash.co. 